This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What's up, everybody? Alex and James here. Tonight, we're going to bring you some general news surrounding Everton, you know, some quotes in the media, that sort of thing. And then we're going to talk about Arsenal pre-match at Goodison Park. So James, first up, Luca Dean is currently in who scores team of the week, team of the month, and team of the season based on his ratings. Yeah, who scored is a pretty reliable uh, source. We reference them from time to time. They have a lot of good statistics that are available for free. Um, and this is just a ringing endorsement of what the eye test has already shown us and that Luca Dean is a very special player, arguably the best left back in the Premier League. It can't be said enough what an amazing revelation he's been coming in, knowing that Baines had been such a loyal servant to the club and such a reliable spot on the team sheet for so long to just immediately overtake him. Although his his powers are waning, of course, but to come in and be, you know, very much like a, a like for like replacement for Baines and arguably, I mean, I'm not going to say he's better because the longevity is not there, but looks to be the real deal in every sense. And that has manifested itself in the statistics. Uh, he's created, I believe, as many, I, I can't remember the source of this, but like up there with Eden Hazard and some of the other wingers and, and offensive players with big chances created this year. So it just goes to show. You, I, I wonder where we'd be without him in the side. A really, really good debut season for him, and I'm really happy that he's he's been so good. Yeah, I mean, he outlines Brands' transfer strategy to a T, right? And Brands was talking about it again in the media a couple of days ago that you know we kind of figured it out very quickly after the summer concluded last year that no one he signed was over 25 years old. And we knew that coming into this, or excuse me, that summer, that we had one of the oldest squads. We were still starting numerous 30 plus year old players. All of a sudden we injected youth and now we are one of the youngest squads in the Premier League when you take into account the fact that we sh- you know, shipped out on loan a lot of older guys or, or, or for example, Rooney going to DC United. And he said again, they've already agreed upon the transfer targets, him and Marco Silva, for this coming summer. And furthermore, they're not going to spend big on any player over 25, 26. Now, does that mean they won't buy any player over 25 or 26? No, it just simply means that they're not going to spend or or make any big money moves for any player older than that, which I think is really important and a very smart, you know, a very smart, smart strategy in general. It's almost a no-brainer, right? If you're a club like Everton and you're not a quote-unquote spending club, although we have come into a fair amount of cash in recent years, you can't afford to be spending a premium on a player who is 27, 28, like we did. You know, Gilfie Sigurdsson is probably the prime example. And credit to Gilfie. He's a great player. We all love him. Done a lot of wonderful things this season. But the return on that is very minimal. Like We're, ne- we're not going to be able to sell him for... We're going to take a significant loss if we do end up selling him at some point. And the idea of buying those young players is you buy them for whatever we paid for Luca Dean, $25 million, and then you you get them developing into their prime, their prime years. And then once they get to that peak, 27, 28, you either stand to, to sign them and retain them for the best years of their career, 
or you sell them at a profit because they're the best that they're going to be. And then the clubs that need those players that are in their prime, I won't name any names and I don't want to speculate, but those clubs that can afford that will make those moves. And then you're, you're developing a more healthy transfer policy. Whereas before there didn't really seem to be any kind of rhyme or reason. We would just see a player we liked. Steve Walsh would, I don't know, pick a name out of a hat. No, mm-hmm. of course, qualified scout. But, you know, there didn't there wasn't any logic applied when you're when you're doling out 45 million for Gilfie Sigurdsson and the the numerous other D- Davy class and 30 million. The, of course, none of them worked out. So in hindsight, it's easy, easy enough to say, because I know that I was really excited that year for those signings. But now with brands at the helm, I think it's amazing what he's done in such a short period of time. And it's only going to get better as we continue uh, to have more time, more transfer windows to bring in those signings that they've identified. And one of the things that struck out to me in his comments that he's been making to the media was that it was very much a united front presented in that there's no signing that would be made if Brands likes a player, but Silva doesn't really see a way for him into the squad. They don't make that signing and vice versa. Silva likes a player, but Brands doesn't think that the business would be right or that he's a great fit. Then they don't make that signing. And that type of continuity and structural structural consistency is key. And it's a direction, something we haven't had at the club in a while. And it's nice to finally have that, that structure in place. It is. And furthermore, Marcos Silva stated in the media that they really like Gomez's contribution to the squad since he's been fit and essentially starting most of the minutes. And he said that Gomez is happy. And so he said the final piece to the puzzle is figuring out Barcelona's stance on the matter. But that pretty much told the public that they are indeed going to be working at trying to make Gomez permanent as well, which I'm sure everyone can agree that that is extremely important. And I only imagine what next season could be like when he has the entire summer to kind of prep, have a full preseason with the squad, ideally injury-free, and get started really strong next season. Yeah, the the Andre Gomez thing has kind of been the worst-kept secret at Finch Farm for some time. Like, within his first few appearances, there were already reporters asking, will you sign him? And and they've been trying to play it down for a while now, and it just seems to be something you can't keep under wraps. It's as plain as day for anyone to see that he's a really quality player. We would, I think, be very fortunate to be able to secure his services. The fans love him. He seems to like being here. Get the deal done. 30 million, 35 million. I think that that's a a very good deal in this current market. And another big thing about the upcoming transfer window, which we will be talking about at length as the season starts to wind down, is it's not a World Cup summer. So we will have like that full summer actually being able to get... That makes it much easier in theory to get deals done, or at the very least, you can get them done much earlier. Exactly. You get those deals done early and then you have that full preseason and they've cl- they've said that they've already identified targets. I'm sure they're already entering into preliminary conversations, putting out speculative uh, questions to agents, to different other clubs to figure out what what figure out what's realistic and what's not. And I'm hoping that it seems like he's a man. Marcel Brands is a man who wants once he sets his eye on something, he he will get it assuming it's at the right price. And I can't wait to see the targets that they've identified and are going to bring in. That makes two of us. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode. The pre-match Arsenal comes to Goodison Park on Sunday. How are you feeling in general? 
it's hard not to feel good after the first back-to-back wins of the campaign, right? Yeah, and that's actually terrible to hear, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. it is terrible to hear. But two convincing wins, the Chelsea match, at least the second half, was fantastic. The West Ham match, very consistent and a solid performance through and through. It is the eternal question of consistency. Can we come out to this? I, I don't know. If, what do you think, Alex? The sirens going to play on Sunday? I mean, they could, I suppose. I, I don't see why not, but it might be it might be a little, you know, you need to save it for the biggest of the big matches, not just the quote unquote top six. So could they? Maybe. Should they? I don't know that we should give Arsenal the honor. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think save it for the, for the right scenarios. And when you know the scenarios there, you use it. But I feel good about it. It's at home with the reason positivity. I think the crowd will be up for the game. Hopefully the supporters groups that have done such a good job of ramping up the atmosphere from, from a fan's perspective, keep up their excellent work. And that Goodison is rocking. And I mean, we we undeservedly lost to Arsenal in earlier on in the season. And right now, Arsenal are second in the form table. But whereas probably four or five weeks ago, we were in like 19th in the form table. We're now up to sixth because we've got, what, three wins and a dr- two two losses. Or we've got two wins, a, a draw and a, two losses. You tried, James, but. Not for you. We have three wins, a draw, and a loss in our last five matches. But the important thing is, in four of those matches, we kept clean sheets. Right. So it seems like the woes, the set piece woes, knock on wood, have been alleviated to some extent. And we really have been excellent at defending from open play for most of the year. It's just been those set pieces that were bringing us down. And so the expectation is, and Arsenal also have a Europa League game. Uh, the Thursday after the match. So whether or not they play their full squad, I think we'll probably end up seeing one of either Obama Yang or Lacazette, but I'd be kind of surprised to see both. Right. And I'm kind of of two minds about either because Obama Yang just loves to score an offside goal against Everton. Lacazette hit a banger last time out. So I really just, I mean, I'd prefer neither, but I'm not going to even hype them up like that. So let, let's dive into tactics, right? So we are at home at Goodison Park. We're in good form. Arsenal are even in better form. And especially in recent seasons, I think, well, they've definitely got the edge over us in, in head-to-head play. How do you think they're going to set up? I think they'll set up in a, in a pretty standard for them. A, I believe they play like a similar line, uh, formation to us with a 4-2-3-1. The personnel is kind of hard to predict given that they do have that match coming on Thursday. So expect Emery to shuffle the lineup. Regardless of who they play, they're going to want to attack. The, because we're at home, in, in the reverse fixture at the Emirates, we had 37% possession and, and they had this almost 63. And so, or 63, I'd expect that we'll be able to control possession a little bit more. And we, we actually created a, a lot of really good chances in that match and just weren't able to finish typical Everton. And then they had, of course, Lacazette, a world-class goal, and then the offside goal from Aubameyang. So tactically, I do see it being relatively even as far as possession is concerned. And the wide areas are going to be hotly contested. They have a lot of pace on the counter, so we're going to have to be careful about overcommitting because 
I thought we actually did look somewhat vulnerable a couple times against West Ham. There was the Arnautovic. He was pretty much in on goal. It was like one-on-one, and then he slipped, which I thought for <laughs> sure he was going to score, which was hilarious because, you know, Marco Arnautovic can can piss off. But um, we we really need to be able to be prepared for the pace if Aubameyang does play. He's like one of the fastest players in the world, absolutely electric. So that's sort of what I'm anticipating. But I do think that the back two that we play will will have a pretty good handle on things as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that Seamus Coleman has had some fantastic matches as of late. Like West Ham, he looked really, really solid. I think he's he's performing so well recently because Richarlison likes to cut in and, and that allows him to kind of push forward like he likes to, right? And, you know, people always complain, oh, so-and-so is not pushing forward or they're not getting involved in the attack as much. But in reality, you have to understand that these are tactics set up by the manager, you know, speci- specified to a T. Like, if, if if there's a reason why we're playing kind of a lopsided formation and, and he wants to attack more so down the left or or maybe we're playing Theo Walcott, for example. I said this last episode, but when Theo Walcott's playing on the right, he stays wide. That doesn't allow... Seamus Coleman to overlap as much. I mean, he he can, but it, it's not the same as when Richarlison cuts in and, and kind of drags a defender. So point is, both of our fullbacks are in fantastic form. I think that, you know, with with the attacking core that we've been going with the last couple of matches, I feel pretty confident that, again, as you said, the biggest thing is going to be if you decide to go forward, which, you know, Seamus Coleman is a vet and he should be very good at kind of decision-making in terms of when to go forward, when to stay. I think that, you know, we should be able to figure it out. But again, take nothing away from Lacazette and Aubameyang. So with that being said, are we in agreement that Everton will set up in their 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, whatever you like to call it, in or out of possession? We'll look to possess the ball when we can, shuffle it out wide as usual, bring in Dominic Calvert-Lewin to hold it up and connect play? Yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. What we've seen the last two matches has worked tremendously well don't mess with it don't change it the balance that's been restored to both sides that's been a you know the right side has been a bit of a black hole for large portions of the year to finally have that persistent threat on either side and being able to pick and choose your spots on which side to attack is invaluable and Richarlison really I'm I'm very impressed with how at home he looks at all three really I mean striker was, wasn't really the best fit, but he did bag a couple goals. He just seems to be the type of player who, no matter where he is on the attacking line, he'll find, he just has that 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 know-how about him of what at- areas that he needs to attack, and he just has an instinct for goal. So him on the right side is a huge asset for us, and like you said, Seamus Coleman bombing down the side allows him to cut in, which will be key for us because the more that he's in the box with Charleston, it's it's better for us because that's where he finds all his goals. I don't think he's he's yet to score a goal from outside of the box. Um, he just seems to be that type of player where he finds himself in the right place at the right time quite often. Hey, and I'm cool with that. Doesn't matter to me. Score it inside the box, score it outside the box, do whatever you got to do. Because as far as I'm concerned, we have Gilfie Sigurdsson and Gomez for outside the box. Am I right? Absolutely. Gomez has a bit of a rocket foot on him. He's due. He's due for one. He's due for like a screamer. From probably like 25, 30 yards out, I think. Right. I believe the last time 
he had a he had a good one was against Watford in a pretty disappointing loss, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really well struck ball, but it wasn't from super far out. But um, he, you can tell he has the range on him to to put one in the top corner from from distance if he so chooses, and he gets you know gets the right conditions as well. All right, so let's talk about the lineup. I think that we're probably going to be in agreement on the lineup as most people should be. So instead of asking you to list the lineup, let me ask you if you have any changes for us from last time out, the starting 11. I just don't see any logical argument for why you would change the team at all, barring an injury. Like you're going to bring Theo Walcott on for Charleston. You're going to bring Tom Davies back in for Andre Gomez. It doesn't make any sense. This team beat Chelsea. This team was utterly dominant against West Ham. And you just have to stick with the 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 lineup that has worked for us. And I think almost the most impressively, and there's a lot of impressive things that you can highlight, but the partnership of Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma is something we've talked about a fair amount this year. It continues to just be so well balanced and they seem to have developed such a good understanding with one another that that like rock solid connection is the foundation that we can then build off of. And going forward, they the, the players have that confidence that they know the recovery pace of Kurt Zuma and just the positioning and aerial ability of Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma, of course, has aerial ability too. They they have that level of comfort and confidence in one another. And I think above all else, that's kind of been something that we've struggled with is that the team still up until maybe the last few games hasn't felt settled or comfortable. And they're finally developing those relationships. And that takes time. It's taken almost a full season, which new manager, all of the changes we're finally starting to, I think, see the the vision of Marco Silva start to play out. So I don't think you change anything. I don't know. Do you think we should change anything? Not even a chance. So we are back in 10th place. What is going to be your score prediction for Arsenal versus Everton at Goodison Park this Sunday? Well, I do think we have, I think Arsenal playing on Thursday is an advantage for us. They are still very much fighting for to, to maintain their place in the top four. So they aren't going to take it lightly. Being at Goodison, the crowd's up for it, and we're really rocking. This is going to be the first win that I've predicted in a while. I'm going to go a 2-1 win for the Toffees. We take it late with a Richarlison header to win mm, Very descriptive. I like it there, James. I like it. I, th- I hope that it pays dividends for you, for us. I'll be disappointed come Sunday, guaranteed. I cursed myself already. I'm going to go even more emphatic with a 3-1 victory. I do think that we're going to break our streak on clean sheets. However, with how confident they looked against West Ham in the attacking third, with the amount of shots on target and chances created we had, I don't think there's any reason why we can't do the same thing against Arsenal at home, as you said, with the crowd behind us. I think either way, we'll be in for a really exciting match. And I really hope that we have something extremely positive to bring to everyone else. Sunday evening. Yeah, I think my fingers are crossed. My hopes are high. This is usually right around the time when Everton find a way to let me down. But no, I'm staying positive. I'm sticking with the win prediction. We're going to get it. And we're going to have a great show on Sunday night to, to wrap it all up for you guys. So keep an eye out for that. Up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.